the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. After uh, yesterday's show, I unfortunately, like the other people who watched the display of dementia on tour called the Joe Biden Town Hall, as I watched that, it was really evident to me, I had said during the show yesterday, our problems in this country are political. Without the politicians, without the corruption, without their experimentation, and without their outright sabotage, we would have the best country on earth. And as we reflect to those days when this was the best country on earth, it is because these political whores were handcuffed. So none of this is an accident. See, here's how it works. Their power, their socialist, Marxist, fascistic agenda is a non-threat when the economy is running on all cylinders. Their goal is to disrupt that because what they understand is that a very large portion of society doesn't get it. They don't take advantage of their own lives. They live in a world of limitations, envy, greed, without the ability or the ambition to go and get it for themselves. And if they could capture that flaw of character, they'll have a loyal, stupid base. That is the Democrat platform. So as I watch the town hall, aside from saying, how in the world could anyone, anyone, any human being in this country support this poor, sick, old, feeble man? How? How? It's obvious this poor man is not able to do the job. But then... I realize he's been a two-bit lipstick on a pig, Rustoleum salesman for half a century. So even though he's running on two cylinders, he can still stumble through a lie, a fraud. And at the end of his dim-witted, doddering performance, all he has to do is say, give you more. And the Democrats will be very happy with that. And the corrupt corporatists of both parties are somewhat happy with it because what they know is behind the scenes as you're distracted by stupidity Joe Manchin is caving they're trying to get to cinema to find out exactly what her price is and you mark my words this boondoggle this destruction of our currency this destruction of our economy will pass I hate to tell you it's going to pass 
prepare yourself for it to pass. Because for a president to get up and do what this idiot did yesterday, what this imbecile was able to perpetrate and not be removed that night or the day after, tells you just how far we're willing to go. You see, when it comes to simple staples, staples in the economy, the common denominator of all things, it's very, very important that that precious commodity be affordable. So specifically what I'm speaking of is oil. Oil a year ago was $35. Now, for those people who say COVID and demand, it never picked its head up above $47 for years under the Trump administration. Because he was able to turn the spigot on. He was able to incentivize the best oil on the planet, the lightest, the sweetest crude. You could put it in your coffee and stir it, is American oil. See, that junk you get from the, the, what would be the sphincter of the world called the Middle East. That's junk. And it has to be refined over and over and over. We have the lightest and the sweetest. And we have it off our shores. So a year ago, there were double, double the offshore rigs. Joe Biden's first actions was to hamstring America. Hamstring. So when he comes out, this pathetic fool who clearly just had to time it so that he didn't need no powder in his trousers. When he comes out and tells bald-faced lies, I get really irritated. I really do. So when he's asked about oil and he says something like this. Anyway, so there's, there, 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 but I, I don't, I must tell you, I don't have a near-term answer. There's two things I could do. I could go in the petroleum reserve. Never. Never, ever, ever, unless we are shut off due to conflict, enemy attack. That's what the reserve is for, stupid. Not just because you're clueless. And take out and probably reduce. Re- 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 He's trying to say reduce. President of the United States can't say reduce. Re- 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 the fracking moron. Reduce the price of gas maybe 18 cents or so a gallon. It's still going to be above three bucks. Where did he get that equation? Did he pull it out of his soggy sock? Where did he get that equation? You moron. This is this is really pathetic because what he could do, what he could do at the drop of ink is turn on the oil business at the drop of ink. He could undo what he did. Ten miserable, excruciatingly long months ago when he started to destroy the country. And what the people of this country better do is wake this old fossil up or remove him. See, in my world, remove this fraud. He cannot speak. He is incapable of the job. Remove him. Let's deal with the nooner. At least she's fun at lunchtime. And one of the things that I refused to have happen because I didn't want anybody. I made a commitment. If you pass the stuff I'm talking about, not not one single penny in tax would go against anybody making less than 400 grand. And so if you notice, this is these highway bills are not paid for by gas tax. No, you stupid moron. They're paid for by tolls. They're paid for by licensing. They're paid for by various different ways and portion, depending on what state it is, pays for it. This is the part where he lies to the morons who would elect this feeble moron. This is when he lies to him. And he pretends that without the without this massive bill, well, then the highways had no way to maintain their infrastructure, rather than focusing the fact that these political whores and pimps stole the money. 
They stole the infrastructure money. That's why the same goombas have the same contracts, and when they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar, they stroke a check. That's how it really works. They're paid for by direct expenditures in other areas. So You know the greatest job they have in politics? The cushiest, the most ghost-ridden where you never show up. It's a punchline. Is the is the tollway system. It is the greatest fraud. They got helicopters, the best cars. Nobody gives a rip where these idiots are. So you got a hundred, two hundred, who knows how many are are, are 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 in there that donated to a governor or some senator's moron cousin with a cork on his fork at Thanksgiving. They pretend to work for the toll system. These idiots, this has been a scam since Eisenhower completed the entire thing in just four years. Thank God he wasn't doing the Jane Byrne. We'd have been done in a week. No average person doesn't have to pay more. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. There's a possibility to be able to bring it down. Depends on a little bit on Saudi Arabia and a few other things that are in the offense. You stupid moron with a wet diaper. It's going to be hard. You know what's going to be hard? Waiting the 3.2 years for this idiot to vacate the office and his moronic administration, because this is very purposeful. In the same way shutting down the whole economy was, which I still will never forgive Trump for doing. Never. This is obvious what was going to happen. And now you're laying on the ground, you can't get up, because they're standing on your neck. That's what happens when the costs rise. Ooh, it's transitory. Transitory. Is it transitory if you're hanging on? Is it transitory if your kids need, need you, you have to pay your Obamacare deductible? Is that transitory? If you got to pay tuition, is it transitory? How you people voted for him, and by you people, I mean anybody. I don't care what your political party is. The idea you put this whore, this political fraud, in any position of authority, you should all be damned. Now you drag the rest of us with you. And i got to sit around and listen to this stupidity for 3.2 years. So what you see is wages are actually up for those who are working. Because for the first time in a long time, employees are able to bargain. You're the boss. You want me to work for you? What are you going to pay me? How are you going to do it? I'm not being facetious. I hope that every scumbag that gets laid off and the companies go under are only the Democrat voters. It's a shame what you did to the rest of us. That's what you believe, right? You believe wages are up. And now you got the power on your side because Joe Biden's your president. This only, you know who he benefits? Welfare. Welfare. Now you love Joe Biden. You want something for nothing? Joe Biden, he's my man. If he can't give it away, nobody can. That's what you are. It's us against the roaches. That's the real truth. There's not an economist. There's not a person with an IQ over 60 that believes a word of this. Problem is it could stop Tomorrow, this entire problem is political. Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before, and I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but the... Nah, don't bother, stupid. Don't bother. And I like what he says. He's been, it's been occupying his time. But, but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. No. I've been spending time. Naps. you got to take naps. you got to get your diaper changed. I mean, that right there is going to take up at least at least 15 minutes every hour you're awake before Jill tucks you in. I'm going around looking at the $900 billion worth of damage done by, uh, by hurricanes and floods and, and weather and, tra- and traveling around the world. 
But uh, mm-hmm. I plan on now my wife, Jill, has been down. She's been on both sides of the river. She- yeah, she's just as useless as you are. Only she's more conscience. That's the only difference. She's a little bit more awake. Other than that, completely, completely useless. And the natural disasters that's really destroying America, it's Joe Biden. He's the natural disaster that's destroying America's economy, destroying your future and your quality of life. So hunker down, because this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. We got 3.2 years. 312-642-5600. It's an interesting solution. I haven't heard a politician say it. Gas prices are up. They seem to, they don't know why. They're victims of it all. Why not suspend all taxes on gas to help the people who need to travel for work or for whatever the case is? Why not suspend all gas taxes? That right there would save you about 85 cents a gallon. Go ahead. Let me ask you if I can about gas prices. The president was asked about that. A lot of Americans have been concerned about the cost to go to the pump these days. He said, I don't see anything that's going to happen in the meantime that's going to significantly reduce gas prices. He said, I don't have a near-term answer. For Americans who are looking for an answer, what is the answer? Well, what is true, and I think the president, as we, as I said earlier, was quite candid last night, as the American people should express candid. from him, uh, expect from him, and from any president. Um, and there are limitations to what any president can do as it relates to gas prices. Here's what we have been doing. As we've said for some time, we are engaging broadly with OPEC uh, on our concerns at a range of levels. Um, and that is something we will continue to do. As you know, Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, recently met with leaders in Saudi Arabia and certainly raised this issue. Do me a favor. When gas is $7, like it is in California, remember that. They're helping you now. Pippi Lysnocking, this dimwit, she just fresh off the Botox tour. She's helping you now. Trish, Lake Geneva. Hi, Trish. Hey, Sean, what do you think of investing in cryptocurrency? I'm no longer a registered investment advisor, but my opinion is I love it. When a government run by these imbeciles can print up trillions of dollars by passing 2,500-page bills and by lying to the American people. The currency that they're borrowing against, that they're creating, isn't worth anything. And you know who else thinks that? Bitcoin itself. Because they're calling it a bad day if it's $64,000 to buy one of them. The proof is in the pudding to me. I like it. And while these idiots are in charge, the one thing I don't like is the U.S. dollar. They call it inflation. Reality is it's devaluation of your dollar. Thank you, Trish. That's my two cents. Bill in Hinsdale. Sean, how you doing, my friend? Big fan of yours. Uh, oh, I'm you. just curious why you think Joe Manchin and Cinema are going to back back down because Joe Manchin's not Adam Kinzinger or any Mitt Romney's. The guy's not going to go talking for three months and then just you know buckle. He's not. Bill. You're in Hinsdale, right? Yeah. I come and go from Florida. I will be back for the Freedom Summit. I will bet you my best cigar in the cabinet. If I win, you come in and buy it for me. If I lose, you come in, I give it to you. Deal? You got it, but you're, you're okay. That's the reason fine. is he's a Democrat. The reason is he's a Democrat that. who likes the attention. Do you remember when Obamacare, we had the same kind of chance. Yep. The Cornhusker purchase and the Louisiana purchase. The two standouts, they get bribed for what they want, and they cave. Never, ever trust a Democrat, especially one who rode in the back of a car with Robert Byrd and Joe Biden. 
Believe me when I tell I you, Manchin's a scumbag. Cinema's just mad because they followed her in the commode. Once they hit her number, believe me, she'll pull a, a what's the one? What's the older woman in uh, in uh, Chicago? Dorothy with the hats that used to work on Madison Street. She'll pull one of those. Dorothy Thank you. Tillman. Yeah, there it is, Dorothy. She'll pull a Dorothy Tillman on you. Thank you. I appreciate it. How's that for uh, optimism? Sorry, I'm going to tell you the truth. Ooh, if they only hang on. I'm surprised if you don't get the news tonight because they do the Friday news dump in about 35 minutes. I'm really surprised because they want to go home. And then they're going to they're going to go to their base. The Democrat base is not an American who believes in freedom and individuality and capitalism. The Democrat base is a, a socialist, a welfare recipient and a corrupt businessman. That's the Democrats. And you think you got a chance? I mean, good luck. Don Carol Stream. Hey, my friend. Um, I don't know if you were ever a, a, a fan of the old, uh, the original Star Trek episode, uh, series, but there was an episode that just like we're living through today with this, uh, his name was, they went to a planet, this guy named John Gill uh, converted the whole planet to Nazism because it was this perfect whatever. I do remember uh, it. And don't, I mean, and it was the same thing. He was, totally gone and he was being manipulated by everyone out, outside of him and it went i mean it was just to, uh, total now don i could be wrong but it's been a very long time i was a huge star trek fan love kirk nobody better mm-hmm. i'm gonna say to you i believe what they went back to was earth but that'll be good we'll, we, we're gonna look into that and i'll get i'll get back to you but this is what the democrats are to think you're, you're putting faith for them not to destroy the currency i said in the beginning of, of the show their goal is to destroy the economy that's when they're the most powerful they are never going to give up the power we have allowed them to capture and by we i'm blaming the trump administration that was a mistake Years from now, when we're all long gone, when they're doing papers and they tell kids who will par- probably will be speak- speaking Chinese, and they tell them, find out, in your opinion, when was the collapse of the American empire that was once the strongest nation in the world? It will come down to the year 2020. We're in the, the first wave of what happened, and obviously it was the Democrats' fault. But history isn't written like that. History will be written 2020. And the president at the time, who will, who will get the blame, who they've blamed for everything, who you've never seen somebody more attacked or maligned, will be Trump. It's the perfect scheme if you just step back and look at it. You think Joe Biden, after what you heard last night, is interested in helping you? He's not interested in helping you. Craig, Mount Greenwood. Oh, hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Sean, I'm going to tell you something, man. You know, you think about, like, uh, how... Uh, uh, Biden, you know, he hasn't beat uh, Trump on anything, man. He finally beat Trump on something like that. It's, it's unbelievable. You remember when Trump had all those, uh, all those expensive boats out there on uh, all those uh, parades, like in Florida and everything that? Yeah, cigarette smoking boats, a cigar, that? watching them, yes. Oh, man, look what Biden, Biden's got that big boat parade of all those uh, container ships. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them. The value of them, unbelievable. <laughs> Biden beat him with the boat parade. Yeah. You're exactly right. And look oh. at you, Craig. Now you just got to wait for your treadmill, right? Isn't that what Pisaki said? Oh, man. Hang on for your treadmill. See, here's the, it, it's the perfect cover to lose. It's the perfect cover to lose because the people who support the Democrats, they're economic illiterates, and they just want more from the government. This is a government that says, I can't do anything, but I'll increase your food stamps 25% to offset the inflation. 
Uh, okay. And they'll all vote Democrat again. We'll be back after this. So the beauty of being born in the 60s is because I can remember when Democrats were not Marxists or communists or socialists. And in the 70s, they used to run debate shows, a lot of them. And I remember the first time I heard Murray Rothbard. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He was able to articulate the beauty and the nuances and the simplicity of capitalism and freedom and liberty and show you that without one, you didn't have the other. He was affiliated back then. It was called the Von Mises, if I remember correctly. Now it's called the Mises Institute. I'm always bothering Misty. Get me somebody from Mises. I still go to it constantly. We are lucky enough to speak to William Anderson. He's a fellow of the Mises Institute and professor of economics at Frostburg State University. And I can say without ever talking to him before, he doesn't like Keynesianism or the bastardization of our economy any more than I do. Am I right, Professor Anderson? Quite correct. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Very good. Very good. So we're living through an unusual time in the year 2021 when people are supposed to be very sophisticated, very smart. They're supposed to be aware of what to avoid and what to accept. It appears to me Mm -hmm. we have a feeble fascist who's determined to destroy capitalism and America. Would I be wrong? Well, I'll tell you what, you to, I think you're pretty close. I certainly, you know, let's put it this way. The people in the White House, uh, they either want to destroy capitalism or at least what they want to substitute uh, what um, Andy Holcomb calls political capitalism for it, and that is, is something in which the uh, all the uh, all of all of the outcomes are going to be determined politically. And, uh, I mean, look how, you know, because you, you know, we're talking about... Uh, you know, this article that I wrote uh, about the uh, oil industry and how, they, you know, they want to destroy it. Well, of course, what do they want? Yeah, they're not going to have government um, uh, windmills and whatnot. It's all going to be private firms, right? It's all going to be done, but it's all it's going to be done with private firms on their, you know, on their terms, you know, and uh, making uh, political contributions and all the whole the whole thing. So it's really it's more of a it's like fascism, really. Exactly. I think fascism is probably the best term we can use for it. William, in a, in a system that was built on principles of of property, you know, they call it capitalism, but it should be called propertyism. Yeah. In 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 a, an instance when these corporations, these companies have certain agreements and you see the, a new administration come in and squash them. Are there no repercussions that these companies could take to fight back what is clearly a move to harm not just those companies, but really the quality of what those companies produce, which is in fact oil? And oil yeah. is the common denominator of everything that the people need. In fact, if it's disrupted, are they just relying on the ignorance of people to not understand how that will rear its head in their lives? Or is there no legal course we can take to stop the Biden administration? Or are we simply just going to have to hang on while they destroy the American economy? That's a good question. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, I'd like to know where the courts would fit in. The problem is that so much, uh, you know, so much really now deals with, uh, 
how, you know, what the executive branch wants. You know, the executive branch has so much power that it's it's very hard to uh, to get, you know, it's very hard to get the, the executive branch under control anymore. And the courts seem really reluctant to do anything about it. Uh, you know, this is a process that really began during the Great Depression with the Roosevelt administration. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's kind of just gone unabated to the day. Every once in a while, we'll have a discussion about, uh, you know, about how far should we go and all that. But let's be honest, that, uh, let's be honest that we're not, we're not doing very well with it. You know, we're just, uh, we're letting this happen. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, just and, so, and not only that, I'm I'm really afraid that this administration is serious about this. You know, really destroying the uh, fuels industry, auto and and get, you know, I, I mean, oil and gas. That's what I'm I'm really afraid of. These like these guys, they don't seem to have any sense as to what they're actually are doing. When you hear Joe Biden, or you hear the 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 tagline of there's nothing we can do to help you when it comes to inflation to help you when it comes to oil prices i mean is it hard for you to keep your composure because it is for me yeah oh yeah because you know that uh, you know it's yeah it's the guy that uh, uh burns down your house and he's telling you he can't do anything about it you know he's a man who starts to fire uh and uh you know it's it's pretty, you know, it's, you know, it's mind boggling to me, but unfortunately we're, you know, we're in a situation where, you know, it's, you're right. I'm not sure how much recourse we have, you know, cause I don't know what the voters are going to do next year. Are they, uh, are they going to, uh, you know, give us, uh, you know, solidify the Democrats? Uh, I mean, you know, the, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that, and that's something that really does, you know, have me concerned. Uh, and you know, I, I was going back and forth with some friends on Facebook uh, yesterday, and I mean, and these folks absolutely—I mean, these are educated people. And I'm talking about postgraduate type education. I mean, these are not; these are not. You know, uh, I mean, that's of course, part of the problem is that educated, educated people are doing the damage. But they honestly believe that we're in a climate crisis, and if we could just all start driving electric cars, that that's going to fix everything. And yeah, it is. You have to sit back and say, wait a second. I mean, people actually believe something like this, uh, and. Uh, you know, I'm just, how can you talk about a climate crisis anyway? I mean, you know, however old the Earth is, and I don't know how old it is, but climate's always been changing. How in the world do you declare one period of time a crisis, and that not only that, and you're going to fix it? <laughs> yeah. That's when, the amazing thing to me. When you reflect on the principles of economics, and you understand that the that we've broken the covenant of the Bretton Woods Agreement years and years and years ago. And you now oh, see yeah. politicians who, who I, I consider it to be a threat, but guarantee just mindless creation of new dollars and new debt. Yeah. Once they pass mm-hmm. it, because they've already passed since COVID, we pumped $6 trillion in that year. Since Biden has oh. been in office, we've got 
a total of 1.9 billion and then the the 1.2 yeah. billion hit during the transition if yeah. they are to and i believe this bill will pass and i'm calling as soon as this weekend if they are able yeah. to pass this lie that they say will be 2 billion we all know it's 5 I mean trillion, excuse me. Yeah. I, I'm turning into Biden. Yeah. I'm, I'm confusing trillions and billions. And because it's so mind-boggling. Can you then yeah. ever rescue the dollar? And the reason I, I, I ask you this, I get asked all the time. I, I was very pro-cyber currency for years. I didn't play it right, mm-hmm. but I was pro it. Because philosophically, why would you own the dollar when these political whores can print it up at their will? Is there yeah. any way to save the dollar? Or is the plan ultimately, as you step back and look at the big picture, just to implode it and create a new one. There has to be that has well, to be the plan. I can't see any sense in this. Well, here's okay. Uh, I mean, I I yeah, I've been concerned about this for a long time. I do have conversations with people about what's going to happen to the dollar. And furthermore, uh, by the way, what's what's the main reason that the dollar sort of is the world currency as such that. We uh, oil prices are denominated in dollars. Okay, what will happen if Biden has its way and he manages to starve out the oil industry and really drive it into shambles? In other words, do what uh, Chavez did in Venezuela to their oil industry. What's going to happen to the dollar there too? Uh, and I mean, there's. Uh, I just am. Um, uh, I'm very, very concerned because, you know, I, I feel like what we've got in office are just a horde of Jacobins, like, you know, the people that destroyed France in the 1790s. And they have they have no sense at all of what they're doing. I don't think they really care. They the only the only thing that they know is their own brilliance and their own righteousness. And uh, and everything has to take a back seat to that. And, you know, I don't know how. Yeah. How we get we get past that? It's it's very very difficult, um, and I don't see any kind of leadership on the horizon um, that's going to be able able to change that. And you know what's going on in the schools. You know one thing is kids have been propagandized now for years and years on climate change, and they're all scared to death. I mean, little kids honestly believe that the whole you know world is just going to uh, you know destroy itself and. And, you know, with this, with uh, global warming. And, you know, how do you explain to people that that's not going to happen? Uh, it's hard because, you know, you're, man, you're, you're fighting, we're fighting on so many fronts. Absolutely. You know, I was a big fan of, of, of Murray Rothbard. And uh, yeah. he wrote that book in 63, you know, What Has the Government Done to Our Money? With Our Money. Mm-hmm. And um, it, 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 it seems to me that, Back then, economists and, and really, he was a philosopher. Philosophers like this mm-hmm. were, were consulted yeah. politically by the opposition party. And, and what really kind of started the Goldwater movement was debt. And mm-hmm. at that time, yeah. the, the Republican Party wanted to have a founding of, of capitalism, of freedom, of how to pull it out. Is that happening now, uh-huh. do you think? Do you think the Republican Party is looking to push back with reason and philosophy and historic fact? Or are they still playing That's, the same game of my, my cult is better than your cult? What do you think? I think I think the latter, unfortunately. I think that, you know, you it's kind of like, uh, you know, the last days of the Roman Empire, kind of with the, uh, you know, the... 
they, these folks are are trying to see who gets what, you know, and that um, they, you know, and and I don't think anything really is, uh, uh, you know, it's well. Let me go back. It's hard to find people with sort of central values that would that you need in something like this. I mean, you know, look at Ronald Reagan. I mean, for all that, let me tell you something, for all of the accusations that the Democrats throw them, think of where our economy was in 1980, and after the Reagan presidency, it took a very, very big turn. And, yeah. or during, during I, was, I, was, I was lucky enough to be a benefactor of that. I was entering the workforce during that time. I lived it. You know, yeah. I always said, you'll never see yeah. an Obama yuppie. You'll never see a Biden yuppie. What these guys are yeah. doing is exactly a contradiction of turning over money to the people. And they're, in essance, yeah. they're, they're in essence have bastardized the principles of capitalism. And it's driving mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, and, and you know, in the end, I mean, we had we ended up with uh, a substantially stronger economy. I mean, that yeah. uh, the standard of living that that we the changes in that has been amazing. And, and I know that we're told that ever since then, for the last forty years, your economy has deteriorated and all that. That is nonsense. Let's put it this way: uh, I would invite you to go into the hospital 40, uh, 40 years ago for open heart surgery, and you tell me uh, how much better off people were. Well, yeah, know, back I'll then. tell you this: the nurses were dressed better, and they were under a size twelve. <laughs> Have you taken a look at some of these nurses? Listen, I enjoyed you so much. I could talk to you for a long time, but unfortunately, I'm up against the yeah. break. He's William Anderson, right. fellow at the Mises Institute, professor of economics at Frostburg State University. Thank you so much, Professor Anderson, thank for joining me. Thank you for having me. You take care. Thank I, you very much. I appreciate it. We'll be back after this. So I went long with Professor Anderson, so what I'm going to do is I like to take your calls after we do it. I want your feedback on it. I'm going to ask you, we've got two on the line. I don't have enough time to take them. I'm going to take them when we get back. So give us a call at 312-642-5600. And, and really, the point of, of when I attack this philosophy of collectivism, of government redistribution of, of wealth and life, there's a reason. It's very strategic that it's happening now. And that is because we have an oligarch system. And the people that are in power are not the people that want capitalism anymore. The people that are in power want corporatism. They want a corrupt oligarch system because they're already in on it. And I'm wondering if you think there's enough stupid people to buy it. That's the question I have for you. 312-642-5600. You're going to go to news, and then I'll take your calls after. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. would be great during this implosion of the American economy, value of your dollar. You know what would be great as America can't get oil or natural gas? It would be great to be an investor or part of a Ukrainian 
natural gas company. See you in Ukraine soon. It would be great to have investments in China. It really stands to win as we lose. It would be fantastic to have positions in companies that were fledgling, just just off the ground. It really couldn't exist without government money poured into an industry that can't really exist. It would be great to be an insider. It reminds me, you think George Soros is the only one who's made money as countries implode, as they implode, by influencing politics? Can you not see what the Biden follies are really about? Build back better. We've got to build back better to build back better. Stupid idiot. He's destroying on purpose. So the oligarchs are paid off. That's what it's about. It's not about helping you. It's about lying to you. As he steals your wealth, your freedom, your property. Just got to do better. Got to build back better. Morons. Tom, Blue Island. Sean, sir, 40 years ago, 1980, racing down a street with a kid going to grammar school, knocked over the crossing guard in uh, 108th and Kedgey in Mount Greenwood. Like My punishment from the principal at Mount Greenwood School was to write a report on OPEC, of which I did. I didn't, I don't know, it probably was terrible. I remember asking the man, why do we need OPEC? Why can't we just come up with the oil ourselves in this country? And he laughed and he said, it doesn't work that way. It's not possible. So that was 40 years ago when Biden was a senator in Delaware. The last four years, I, yep, I haven't heard OPEC mentioned, as you did in your opening segment, for four years. So here we are 40 years later, and this criminal president is now saying that we have to rely on OPEC and Saudi Arabia. And anyone that argues with you that this guy isn't a fraud and a criminal is crazy. Well, here's the, you know what I love about it? I'm, you know, I, I scour a lot of uh, the Internet sites for news stories. Drudge has gone, uh, they hated Trump. He, had a, he was a never-Trumper, so he became a Biden supporter. They linked, you know, Trump launched some sort of uh, social media company, right? Within 24 hours, they say money man behind Trump media company runs firm in Wuhan. So they have the ability to scour every single investor, everyone that's involved with Trump, that's involved with the Republicans. Yet, when it comes to the most corrupt, historically, the most bribed politician in existence, who now resides at 1600 Pennsylvania, none of them think like this. None of them want to know what exactly is the holdings, because do you know that their company, Burisma, they don't file any financial documents. We don't know if Hunter Biden has 5% or 50. We don't know. And you'll never know. And the money keeps flowing in. And every decision this moron makes with the diaper on benefits all of our enemies, but it also benefits his investments. It's a, it's a fracking money scam. That's what it is. And he's buying grace with welfare roaches who just want more free stuff. Thanks, Tom, for the call. Randy in his car. Hi, Randy. Hey, how's it going, Sean? Love good, you buddy. on your show. Been listening Thank to you for a good long time. Hey, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer had this theory of stupidity back, and he was executed for you know the assassination attempt on Hitler. Uh-huh. But Sprouts did 
did a thing on it. It's really cool on YouTube. And there's another one called the Dunning-Kruger effect. You ask about stupid people out there, and they outnumber us. Oh, that's Wanted exactly right. That out there. That's exactly right. Thank you, Randy. Sexy as a devil, even in a high-pitched voice. That's right. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Matt, how are you, Matt? Good, good. Love you, love your show. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm convinced that these, that the Democrats are just gaslighting the American people. They're gaslighting Republicans. They want a, a January 6th to happen just so they can take advantage of it, just like they did then. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, somebody needs to be charged with this. I don't know what they could be brought up on, but I'd well, sure like wonder, to see some know, people it, go to jail. It's shocking to me, you know, the January 6th thing, the January 6th thing. There was just something during Columbus Day where the eco-Nazis, Broke into the same buildings. 55 of them were arrested. Mum's the word. Mum's the word. Garland didn't know about it yesterday. Mum's the word. Do you know why? Because Antifa, the eco-Nazis, the the violence of Black Black Lives Matter, they are the, the enforcement. They are a wing of the Democrat Marxists. So if you're looking for fairness or a quality of law, those days are long behind, Matt. But I love your nostalgic views. Thank you. Uh, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey. How are you? Uh, the only thing the Democrats ever told the working class is that the jobs are gone and never coming back. You need a magic wand. And the funny thing is, is the minute Donald Trump got in office, and we both worked at the Merck, uh-huh. uh, you know, they were, they were, uh, the oil companies were paying the government to put oil into the reserves. That's all Joe Biden has to do is, uh, you know, start dumping oil on the street, strategic oil. Well, well, he could, well, he could fix it without that. He could fix that by complete, by completing the 99% completed Keystone pipeline. He could, he could also do it by reopening the, the, the over 47 offshore oil sites that he dropped off. He could Hello. do it if he had the Thank principles you, of capitalism, Joe. He doesn't have that. But I appreciate the call, and I love the optimism. Here's another thing he could do. He could solve the fentanyl deaths. He could solve and weaken the street gangs that are terrorizing good people. He could change it all if he just had the, what's the proper word? If he just had the wherewithal to solve the damn problem and go and enforce the laws of the country rather than pick the ones you want to use against your enemy. You see, we are supposed to have a secure border. It's really quite simple. We are supposed to protect people in this country from gangbangers, from drug dealers, from cartel members, from sex traffickers, from coyotes, from all the rest of it. But how would this idiot know? Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before, and I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but what the but, but the whole point of it is, I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. I've been spending Whoa. time going around looking at the nine hundred billion dollars worth of damage done by uh, by hurricanes and floods and and weather and tra- and traveling around the world. But uh, I plan on now. My wife Jill has been down. She's been on. Both sides of the... What's another thing about this when you talk about this damage? These people paid insurance all their lives. Now, some states along coasts and pay the insurance. Why is the federal government got to pay all that cost? Do you ever wonder about that? What's the second biggest lobbying in Washington? 
insurance companies. See? You see how they wash each other's back? Yeah. Innuendo is intended. Believe me. The innuendo is intended. Okay, following up on something else the president said last night. Why did President Biden say he has been to the border? Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008. And he is certainly familiar with the fact, and it stuck with him, with the fact. He doesn't remember 18 hours ago. You think he remembers 2008, Pippi Lysnacking? You idiot. Here's a, it's simple. The border is simple. Why don't we build military bases and prison, prisons along the border? Anybody? Anybody? You got all the federal land in the world. You know, the fence. Okay, you don't like the fence? I like the fence. You want to do an electronic fence? Okay, we'll do that too. Why don't we have training facilities for the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, right along the border, 100 yards apart? Why don't we build training facilities for police? And then in between that, we build prisons where we can take the coyotes and the cartel members and throw them in the Husco. They're not interested in actually doing anything because they like it this way. Because you know what happens when the fentanyl comes in? You know, the kids that it doesn't kill, the ones that it turns into drug addicts, they become the Democrat base because they're shot, their brains are fried, and all they need then is welfare and government handouts. The drug disease in this country has always been stoked by politicians who've not just made massive amounts of money, but gained massive amounts of control. Then they get to have the phony programs and the fecal in the streets and the homeless. They get to solve that problem. And the more they lose, the more they win. Greg, Tri-State. Hey, Sean. I just wanted to touch base here because I listen to you all the time and you always always have some great points. Uh, But I was just wondering what are your top five things, like legitimate things that could be done uh, that you think would instantly put us in a better spot in America? Any politician cannot have any investment or asset in anything. That's it. You want to be a politician? Be a politician. We pay you $175,000. Your stock portfolios, your, your, your option plays, that's not acceptable. Any politician can never receive money from any industry, especially if they're creating laws and policies that benefit that industry. The way you stop this, Greg, is to put the handcuffs on who's supposed to have them on, not Greg, who wants to go to his job and not wear a mask or whatever the case is before the COVID, not Greg, who wants to make unlimited money. And I don't think you and, and then I would end a progressive tax system. So a flat tax system, restrain all politicians immediately from incentivized to, to steal from the American people, which is what they do. And then the Federal Reserve and all of these scallywags who've insider traded to the tunes of hundreds of millions, I would put them in prison and take their money and put it on the national debt. What do you think of that? I like it. What would you do with Wall Street? Wall Street would... Um, Wall Street would go back to capitalism. It would stop being underwritten by the people. And for every loss that they took, they'd pay it rather than having the people bail it out. Some of the things that Wall Street has done have been wonderful. The problem is you've got four major players that have corrupted the entire system and work in the shadows and have told the people that economics is too complicated to understand. So look away while we have the Federal Reserve underwrite our fraud. So I would keep the good aspects. I would destroy the bad aspects. I would. Don't you re- love it? 
Don't you love the song when they put in laws like Frank Dodd and then say Obamacare and it just happens to consolidate everything, which is always a grand thing, right? I mean, look at your medical providers. Doctors have to join larger practices because they can't afford the insurance, which means less options for you, less flexibility. And then, of course, Frank Dodd and all the fun things. Who wrote wrote Dodd-Frank? You remember when it was going on? You remember who was writing it? Citibank, Bank of America, Chase Bank. That's who wrote that bill. You think those two idiots, the one who ran the male whore business out of his out of his basement and the other one who was drunk with Boehner all the day, you think they even read it, let alone wrote it? So that's another thing. I would stop lobbyists from writing bills. And, and if and if a bill was more than 100 pages, we would have the time where every single representative had to read every damn word of it. That's how you change. Things. I agree. Think, it's almost almost like you have to have a day, a page. Exactly. It's preposterous. They don't even read it, Greg. They go out selling something. Look at these dimwits in Congress. Look at these dimwits. They got there because they wear skirts. They got there for pigments of their skin. They got there because they preach the Fourth Reich talking points. They don't read one damn page, let alone the bill. Thank you, Greg. You stop it by implementing the principles of the greatest country on earth before these political whores and pimps destroyed it. That's how you fix things. And you could fix it almost as fast as Joe Biden could fix the fracking economy if he got the hell out of the way. 312-642-5600. Let me just quote the late great Colonel Sanders, who said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Yeah, this, everybody thinks this, this song pertained to bars, commodity, Wall Street. This is the Washington, D.C. song. You know how these animals partied? Joe Biden, Chris Dodd, Barney Frank. Although you don't want to be around Barney late at night. Partying. Come on, man. Like there's no tomorrow. He loved every minute of it, this drunken stumble. Well, at least I'd like to think so. There's got to be an excuse. Why this idiot is staggering around like a baby on grass. Kevin, Southside. Yeah, so I don't understand. We're the only country in the world that allows this pay-to-order flow where the money goes in and the hedge funds can hold it and and it won't affect the market. And from what I understand, this was supposed to be made for, you know, big whales that put a bunch of money in so they don't influence the market. But like AMC, 70% of the stock flow is is not affecting the market. Because it's just pay-to-order flow, and the hedge funds decide when they wanted to put it in and when they don't. They basically write you a receipt for your stock. How's it's, the SEC going to fix this? The SEC isn't interested in fixing it. This is a cure that the SEC agrees with. They didn't like the volatility of the market action, so they tried to regulate it. Why do you think the complexities of short selling, they made it virtually impossible to short sell a stock? There's an entire scam set up where you have to borrow and pay VIG to short sell a stock. Why, Kevin? Why? Because they were worried you couldn't meet the margin call? Or because people who spotted the fraud could act on it and profit? They're not, they're not they, interested they in preventing... They called either. What's that? The guy, the guy from Citadel was actually bragging that he didn't get margin called in 2008. They, they, the, the single investor, if you go over your limit, they're calling you immediately. Oh, Look brother, I worked in margin day. calls. I know. And I know. Oh, I'm losing you, Kevin. I couldn't agree with you more. But th- this is how you rig a market. The market isn't parabolic because of organic growth. The market goes up because it's underwritten by the government. All 30 stocks that make up the Dow Jones are corrupted 
They're, they're, they have, a, they have a, a, a guaranteed bailout in perpetuity. That is the new system. And the reason is a Republican. George W. Bush, I have to break the rules of capitalism to save it. You want to talk about stupid and lying and fraudulent and profiting from corruption. That's it in a nutshell. Hank Paulson was going to be a partner in the original climate exchange in Chicago. Guess who his partner was? Al Gore. You think there's a difference? There's two parties, but they got the same banker. The whole damn system is a scam. This is not capitalism. So when those kids rightfully say, I hate the way this is going, you correct them. Me too. Me too. I'm a capitalist and I hate that because that's not capitalism. Do not defend corporatism. This is government supremacy. That's what this is. This isn't freedom, liberty, capitalism. It's the bastardization of all of those things. 312-642-5600. Yes, indeed. The most heartbreaking thing about um, Chicago isn't that the politicians get hauled off and questioned sometimes. It's that so many good people, so many good people, refuse to recognize what was obvious. Refuse to think about what was possible if you continued down this road. If you continued to elect failures and frauds and corrupt people. This is the only place it could lead. The destination of incompetence is failure. That is Chicago. It is a failure By any definition, there is not one aspect of the city that is a success except the people who make it up. The vast majority of the people who make it up are decent people. But so many of them continue, continue to vote Democrat. So when you see that the Democrats work more for the perpetrators than they do the victims... I'm not shocked. Is anybody shocked that Kim Fox would come up with something as preposterous as mutual combat to protect gangbangers? Is Kim Fox looking to protect the people of Chicago, the good people of Chicago? I don't think she is. The latest numbers from Chicago police show shootings overall are up 9% compared to this time last year, and a year ago wound up being the worst since 2016. A Wicker Park woman who just witnessed a shooting on the southwest side says she's now packing her bags. Her family tells Morning Insider Tim McNicholas they're headed for the suburbs. I work in sales, so my office is my car. Julie Troop thought she'd heard a car breaking down, a few loud pops as she drove near Ogden in California. But then she looked in the rearview mirror at a car behind her. I saw a silver gun sticking out of a window and then pop, 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 and there were sparks flying out of the gun. That was around three in the afternoon, September 22nd. Police say a 40-year-old man was shot in the back right in front of Mount Sinai Hospital, where he was later listed in fair condition. I was shaking the entire way home and incredibly nervous and scared and just extremely thankful that I was not collateral damage or hurt. So this is the logical conclusion you come to. I mean, if you really think about it, it's the, it's the only conclusion you can come to. 
unless you live in a certain naivete where you think somehow this isn't going to happen to you. Not everybody who gets shot is the intended gangbanger target, as we now know. You can't calculate how many innocent people have been shot. You can calculate exactly the devastation to, to, to the city that it's having. It's devastation. It is now Grand Theft Auto. Earlier in the week, I read you the story about the kid who shot the 25-year-old at the bus stop. Then he sold the Buick Encore. So everybody says, you know, you don't give me a lot of good stories. You don't give a lot of good stories. No, this is a good story. This is a good story. This is a story that ended exactly the best case scenario for not just the good people of Chicago, but for the good people of America. New details tonight in a crime spree stretching from Chicago to Wisconsin. CBS News' Charlie DeMar reports a deadly Logan Square carjacking is now linked to a Kenosha County shootout that ended the career of a beloved police canine. Brad, good evening. We have been out here much of the day, and late this afternoon we learned that a car at the center of this investigation was stolen in a deadly carjacking from Logan Square. Thursday morning, deputies in Kenosha County, Wisconsin, were contacted by Chicago police. A stolen car CPD detectives were looking for was in nearby Bristol, Wisconsin, at this Shell gas station. The driver wanted for homicide. As deputies moved in, the driver ran. I heard in the, some body cam footage that I saw, the deputies were hollering for him to drop his weapon. Riggs, a police dog, was released and tackled the suspect, but not before he shot Riggs in the head. Uh, in, in my world, Riggs is a hero and possibly saved, saved someone else from being injured today. Riggs was rushed to a surgery center in Buffalo Grove. We spotted Kenosha County squad cars in the parking lot. Paul Pomazal was there too. Sorry. Pomazal trained Riggs at his kennel in Grays Lake. He saw Riggs as recently as last week. Riggs is a, he's a little scrapper. He's, a, he's a, probably not one of our bigger dogs. Um, He's a small dog with a big heart and, uh, you know, and a big attitude. The brown Buick found at the gas station in Wisconsin was taken from Miguel Padilla early Thursday. He was shot and killed in a carjacking in Logan Square. He was 41. Right before that, the suspect shot and killed another man who is yet to be identified at a bus stop at Pulaski and Fullerton. And as for Riggs, the police dog, the sheriff here in Kenosha County says that the dog is expected to survive and pull through after surgery, but it is unlikely that he will ever work again. Dog lived, and they shot the perpetrator. You don't have to worry about Kim Fox saving him. Made it to Wisconsin. So it all worked out. Dog lived. I mean, granted, you don't want the dog to get shot. But he lived. Scumbag dead. I like when the scumbag's dead. Two innocent people dead. That's the best case scenario, because if he would have stayed in Chicago, Kim Fox would have protected him, would have protected him. He'd have been out by maybe around six o'clock tonight, maybe 20 minutes. They let him all out. The turnaround on gun suspects and carjackers and scum of all kinds is about 14 hours from what I hear. So if you're not going to protect the innocent people, the innocent people are going to move out. The businesses will fail. The property values will implode. And ironically, the Democrats in charge will get more federal money for it. And the developers who are developing a $3.8 billion, billion dollar development outside of Soldier's Field, which hopefully, I don't know much about sports, but I'm hoping that the Bears leave, will be empty 
But that TIF money and all of it that you really don't have access to, that'll all be squandered and stolen to the clout-ridden developers that throw $5,000 a plate fundraisers for Lori Lightfoot. But until the good people either make that choice of demanding these crooks be removed from office or get up and go, those are your only two options for decent people. And it's, it's a crying shame. I don't say that with any glee. And it's spread now to the other suburbs and the other areas of the entire state because this is the philosophy that the Illinoisan supports. And the proof is in the pudding. A hundred years, one party in Chicago. It's irrelevant, the crime that they hear year after year, day after day. Aldermen. Aldermen. What good are they? You got, what, three, four that put up a fight? And do they ever win? I mean, they're not, you know, some of them are nice guys. Do they ever win? You get the scum that are connected to the Irish mafia, like Riley, who has an idea. You know what we're going to do? We're going to uh, eliminate or tax Uber ride share drivers. Why? Because they're doing a, a service by eliminating DUIs? Or do you need the DUI money? Or that they're trying to provide some safety for people rather than forcing them to walk the very streets you and your party have destroyed and made dangerous for good people? Notice the only plans they ever have economically are for the developers that bribe them. That's the Chicago way. And what's the biggest argument in Chicago right now? We're going to fight to make sure that municipal workers put a vaccine in their arm. That's the biggest news. All the news. The lead on the news. The lead on the news should be that until you can provide safety, the politicians in charge of the policy will go to prison. But because they're all their houses have all the security in the world, like Joe Biden and the rest of it. This is not a political party anymore. People must realize this is not a political party with nuanced differences in principles of Americanism. This is a Marxist mafia. And the more they fail, the more strength they get. Till we understand that, till we demand their removal, I'm not waiting for election days. Or you do what the woman did who saw the shooting. You leave. Because it's not a video game. This is real life. and Real people are being devastated. It has real repercussions. And you either recognize it or stick your head in the sand. But whatever you do, don't vote Democrat. 312-642-5600. When Kim Fox won her re-election, that was the indication of the future. Now she has the reins. Now she has the support. And now she's not ever going to lose that office until people wake up and realize what she's done. Vox came out swinging against the suggestion her office is soft on crime. This all stems from a shooting caught on camera last week in the Austin neighborhood where no one has been charged. Fox 32's Dane Placco is live with the latest on this. Dane. Yes, Sylvia, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox was clearly angry and came out firing. Uh Can you imagine this? She doesn't prosecute people in a gunfight. Records out the, out the wazoo. The gangbanging scum that killed the seven-year-old doesn't prosecute. Parabolic statistics, shootings, carjackings, mayhem, robberies. She, in fact, she lifts the number that people are allowed to steal. Now you can steal $900 and then you will not be prosecuted. 
And the people of Chicago go, uh-huh. That's great. Mike on the north side. Hey, Sean. You know, I just wanted a, a couple of things. Well, I, you know, I, I agree with you 110%. And I think this, you know, this has been going on for years. I'm born and raised in Illinois. Um, thank God I live in the suburbs. But those are also getting bad, too, now. But, you know, this all started with, like, the, you know, with the Madigan and the color tins and the Burks. You know, this whole corrupt, like, Democratic machine. And it just continues. And they support each other and they get reelected. And like you mentioned, Kim Fox, what person would actually vote for her again after what happened with like that whole Jesse Smollett thing? It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't think people, I don't know. It just, I can't. I heard a story, Mike, that since I heard it, it's been in the back of my mind and it's been bothering me. And I'm going to tell it to you. A guy I know that he knows a bunch of my friends from the neighborhood. He's a successful kid. He went on to have a business. He's, he's kind of a cartoon character, but he went on to have a very successful restaurant. And the restaurant is busy all the time. And a friend of mine goes in the restaurant, and here is Mike Madigan sitting there. And my buddy, you know, we're, we're old now. My buddy says, I told my wife, I'm getting the hell out of here because I'm not going to sit in a restaurant with this piece of dung. It's all I could do to knock over and slap him in the face. As that happens, the guy who now has built a very successful business, knows right from wrong, has been shaken down by the mafia, the Marxist mafia, Madigan specifically, in order to even operate the business, goes up to the table and he tells him, Hi, Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate all you do. Now, the words that I want to use to describe that piece of garbage, and I'm not talking about Madigan, I'm talking about the citizen who allowed himself, number one, to be shaken down, and then thanks the mafia figure that did it. That's why it's doomed, Mike. Because what yeah. happens psychologically to people who accept abuse is they just want the approval of the abuser. And that tells me why you can never have hope anymore. I mean, I know it's doom and gloom, but it's the truth. The citizens have known the problem. They've known the mafia figures. And they wanted in on it more than they wanted to reject it. And that's a disgrace. That's a character flaw. And I'm, I'm only worried about the people like you, the people like this woman, and the real victims who still don't want to give in to their abuser, but either want them removed or refuse to accept it. Those, to me, are the only two options you have in that gangster run sewer. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. There are little tells that you have to recognize. If you're going to be a willful, ignorant slave then vote Democrat and hope to get in on the scam. If you're a man and you have principle, then stand up for something and never bow for anything. Those are your choices. I'll be back. streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Every once in a while, I'm put in a position where my my conclusions are tested. I don't like Chicago Democrats. I don't like 
anything they've done. I think everything they've done is corrupted and a failure. Every once in a while, though, there will be somebody who claims to be a Chicago Democrat that doesn't necessarily repulse me, and I kind of am intrigued by them. Paul Vallis fits that bill. I think the city would have been better off had he been mayor. I think the city would have been better off if they kept him in charge of schools. I wanted to bring him on to talk about it. He's a former superintendent at Bridgeport Public Schools. He's been in the education business, really, for quite a while. How are you, Paul? I'm fine. That's an interesting introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Paul. We've never met face-to-face, but we've talked to each other. And I have had these conversations, you know, even in the calls with you. Oh, yeah, I think and- that the party is so tainted, so corrupted, so fascistic. I'm perplexed why people still entertain calling themselves a Chicago Democrat when the failure and the corruption are so obvious. Yeah, but, you know, there, there's there been a good share of corruption on both sides. Uh, John Katz, of course, uh, who uh, I've ad- admired and followed for many years, has always referred to in Illinois as the combine. You mm-hmm. know, basically, you know, the Republicans cutting deals with Democrats, etc. We all remember the Thompson years cutting deals with Daley. Edgar cutting deals with Madigan. At the end of the day, uh, you know, both parties have real, really failed to offer the public the type of alternatives that they deserve. And, and on so, that, we agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that people like Dan Croft and others have railed against that from time to time. But you're absolutely right. It's a one-party, it's a one-party state, and, and this remap, this political remap, is going to make it more so. You know, they talk about denying people the right to vote or eliminating people's ability to vote well gerrymandering these districts the way they gerrymandered the district is as anti-democratic as anything and uh you know this map is so locked in the republicans literally are are going to be in for the next 10 years will be lucky not to have a beautiful house and senate or a democratic beautiful house and senate and you know the quality you you really specialize how long have you worked in education when were you first appointed you know, I became school chief in 1995, and let me point out that I, I when I went to New Orleans after uh, Hurricane Katrina to rebuild the system there, I actually built a 100% school choice system. Every single school is the school of choice, and, and not only are all the schools, with the exception of the select enrollment magnet schools, not only are all the, the regular schools uh, open enrollment, charter schools and incidentally charter schools are public schools they are public not-for-profit schools but also um new orleans has vouchers so it's a 100 percent school choice it's the only pure school choice system and whereas i think six percent of the schools um the non-select enrollment schools were at performing at grade level you know uh, 10 years later 65 70 percent of the schools are, are i'm sorry are meeting state standards so it's been phenomenally successful, and, and I actually think that that's the route. That's the only way to save the city, to really move towards a 100% school choice system in Chicago. So you have the advantage of seeing this from the inside, and it's, it's like when I talk about the economy. I see it from the inside. That's where I spent the bulk of my life. When I talk about the, the various real estate vehicles and investments. I know it because I know it from the inside. So when you when you look mm-hmm. at our education system, the way you know it through your perception, and you see the teachers union, you see the agenda 
versus the knowledge. And you see the product, which is the uneducated, underprivileged by by real. I don't want to use the word choice, but I will use by manipulation. I believe that the, it is in the best interest of the current educators to not provide knowledge to kids. When you see the mayhem, and you know this really could have changed if these kids would have been properly educated. Is there a way to fix it, even though we've destroyed, arguably, three generations of public school-educated kids? Well, you know, yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's within the mayor. The mayor has the authority to do that right now. Uh, at, at least in, um, it, it'll be two years before the next mayor loses control of the school board. Of course, Pritzker, which seems to who seems to sign every pro labor bill that comes before his uh, that comes to his desk uh, has signed one returning uh, giving the schools creating this massive elected school board, which of course unions are going to dominate. But there's two things that have to be done uh, in Chicago. First of all, you you need to move to a direct funding model where the money follows the kids and the parents make the choice of where to send their kids to school, parochial, private, charter. They have that choice. Uh, it's 100% newer Indiana, which spends half the money that Illinois spends and outperforms Illinois, Illinois in every academic category. 90% of the parents in Indiana can actually have school choice. They can actually send their kids to parochial and private schools. Only about 10% do, but they have that choice. So that's what Chicago needs. The second thing Chicago needs is they're called renaissance schools or innovation schools. And this is what we did in New Orleans. If a school is failing, the community and these locally elected school community councils have the right to ask for a better model, a better model for their school. And in Indianapolis with the renaissance, the innovation schools in Denver with the renaissance schools in Camden with the renaissance schools, the community gets to pick a better model. They get to pick among the top performing charter schools, for example. And those Renaissance schools have dramatically expanded public school choice and have significantly improved the schools. It is within the mayor's authority to do those two things. And if you did those two things, you would break the stranglehold that the Chicago Teachers Union and their special interests have over the district. Those are two things that have to happen because we're talking about a school district that has a budget, $9.3 billion budget, where they are spending the equivalent to $28,000 per student. And what are we getting for it? We're getting... Carjacked. Right. We're getting, we're getting school jacked. Where 75% of the kids are not meeting state standards. And the African-American kids meeting state standards is even half of that. So at the end of the day, if you're looking for institutional racism in America, it's the union-dominated public education system. See? Because the overwhelming majority of children in large urban districts, uh, uh, poor children are black and Latino, and they're being denied school choice. And I believe that's fundamentally racist. When you hear the, uh, the, the mayor dressed in her 1932 detective costume, Say that the the problem with crime in Chicago is that the kids need to be put back in school right away. What that meant to me is that the schools are really unsafe because if these kids are the criminals outside of school, they're the criminals in school. Is there a um, is there a way to protect 
the innocent good kids from those kids right now who are perpetrating the, the carjackings and the robberies and the shootings do you think you know to me when i look at this if i had a if i had a kid in school i'd make sure i never sent him back under this climate it's obvious that this is mayhem in the schools is there a security issue in the chicago schools yeah, well, you know, let let me harken back to the ancient days when I was CEO of the schools, or for that matter, my work in Philadelphia or elsewhere. We always had a really strict zero-tolerance policy. Uh, we had police officers in the high schools at the entrance level in the high schools. We had a really extensive safety and security program. We, we literally, we literally, uh, our school patrol was trained to deal with kids and to basically to make sure that the schools were safe and secure environments. So we didn't have problems. We didn't, we had, you know, if children violated the zero tolerance policy, we had alternative schools, a large network of alternative schools, students, young people had gotten incarcerated and released from the criminal justice system rather than uh, just allowing them to return to the street. We actually enrolled them. We had close to 3,000 kids enrolled in alternative programs all the time. So we were really aggressive with, about creating an environment within the schools. We did one church, one school. I actually like to call it two church, one school. We put AP honors, advanced placement, accelerated in neighborhood schools. We also we also mandated community service as a as a condition, as a requirement for graduation. So it was all about building build helping help helping the children uh, develop and so I, I think that for many children in the inner city in these very dangerous neighborhoods for all the children anywhere they need to be in school but this is a system that got shut down for 12 months for 12 months this system was literally shut down the campuses were closed so we had hundreds of thousands of children walking the streets of Chicago you realize that 20 times the number of young people in Chicago were murdered during COVID, then died from COVID. There's been six. Uh, Did they have their masks on, Paul? <laughs> no. Um, let me ask you a, a question, I want because I'm running out of time. You know, I, I only got a certain amount of time. Yeah, and I pause it. No, no, no. Um, the mayor is a fraud to me. She took $1.9 billion, with a B, of COVID relief money and cooked the books and mixed it in the budget will the alderman is there anybody in chicago with the integrity or the knowledge or not corrupted to do something about this or is this going to be the way of the future just cooking welfare in your books you know the problem the problem with the uh uh, city has the city council has, has always been docile and they've surrendered themselves because the city council could demand information from the mayor. They could challenge the mayor, but they literally handicapped themselves. So, no, the mayor is going to pass her $16.7 billion budget, which will have completed the squandering of the COVID monies. And, you know, it's just not $1.9 billion. The combined COVID money that the city and the schools got uh, from uh, beginning with Trump and ending, obviously, with Biden, $6 billion dollars six billion dollars chicago schools alone have gotten the equivalent to like eighty three hundred dollars per pupil in covid money and it is it and it's going to be squandered and after the election um you're going to see a dramatic cutback in these election year programs that the mayor is 
Cushing, and you're going to see a dramatic increase in property taxes because uh, she's she's created a financial. I mean, Chicago is a financial train wreck anyway. What she's simply done is accelerated. Uh, its path towards financial destruction. So it's a disastrous Paul. budget, but the city council is going to pass it. Now, Paul, you, you know the system, right, inside and out. When you see an obvious corruption, an obvious corruption, like a program that is the son-in-law of the new department head of justice, Merrick Garland, you see that this agenda is financed at ridiculous amounts of money on the public backs. You see him in front of Congress say, I didn't know that I should go to an ethics board. Just you being a Chicagoan, you knowing what you know, is that not the definition of corruption in a school system? Well, I always like to say that that they've created a system where they allow for institutionalized, almost legal corruption. And we've seen it. I mean, you know, when aldermen can hold their jobs, it can when when an alderman gets paid as much as they get paid for what is essentially a part-time job, and be able to work in their law firms or sell insurance and things like that. Sometimes when it's a clear conflict of interest, I mean the system in Illinois is designed to allow for this feeding at the public's trough. And what's happened in Illinois is we haven't we haven't separated politics from government and government from politics. I mean, it's it's that's that's the corrupting influence. So, unfortunately, yeah, it, it, but it's legal corruption. Unfortunately, I, I mean, don't like that word. I don't like that phrase. It's a dangerous phrase. So now, listen, I still own real estate there. Unfortunately, right? Well, the the wife is very stubborn. So let me ask you this: Are you going to run again? Is there any hope for the future, or are you going to join me in flip flops and a speedo? Well, what I'm going to continue to do uh, is what I've been doing really since the campaign. And what I've always done is I'm going to continue to speak out on these issues and to try to provide information to people, whether it's on the budget, public safety, et cetera. Uh, You know, I'm just going to tell it like it is. Uh, So people like me and John Katz and others, I think we're going to continue to howl at the moon and uh, and just maybe somebody will listen. Don't you think you'd shake it up if you said, I'm so disgusted with these rats. I'm so disgusted with the legalized corruption. I'm so disgusted with the failure. I, Paul Vallis, deem myself either an independent or, I don't even want to say Republican because I don't like him any more than you. I, Paul Vallis, deem myself an independent and only an independent can right this wrong. What do you think? Well, look. I challenged the the party establishment when I ran against Robert Gorovich, and, uh, you know, I challenged Rahm Emanuel because I felt uh, as bad as Lori Lightfoot is, a lot of her problems, and she's only made things significantly worse, but, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't relieve Rahm of responsibility. He really set the stage. So I've always really run as an independent, which is why I've never gotten the support. But, you know, I have first responders in my family. I have a son who's a decorated Afghani war vet. He is a firefighter, and he picked one of the busiest firehouses to fight fires in Chicago. And I've got another son, San Antonio police officer, TAC officer, and I wanted these kids to look up to me. So I feel that I have to be outspoken, if for no other reason than I want them to call the old man every night and and tell me what they thought of my most recent post. Would you force the firemen and the policemen... Would you do what Lori Lightfoot is doing under the circumstances of the vaccine? Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's a disaster. And, and you know, there not only are there 1,200 than when uh, Lightfoot came in, and they're going to retire about 1,000 this year. They're only replacing, I think, about a, a third of them. But they have 3,000 cops 
ready to retire. They can retire right now. And what's, I mean, why stick around if you're going to be, I mean, what's no, going to be subjected to this type of, of abuse? So, no, I absolutely think what she's doing is, is irresponsible and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I hope that they fight it to the end. Now, I'm, I'm going to admit I like you. But if I find out you go to a Tony Resco fundraiser, or some smarmy <laughs> scumbag developer in Winnetka with his third wife and the Louis Vuitton dog holder for 5000 a plate. Me and you are going to fight in a parking lot. You got a deal? Okay, that's a deal. Right, fair enough. Paul Vallis, everybody, we'll be back with your calls and comments after this. Macbeth is filling in for Bunny. It's her birthday. She took off. Seems very third grade to me, but I, lo- I don't mind because I got my Macbeth back. He's very good on this song. Music, Miles 294. Hey, Sean. You remember the story about Barbara Bird Bennett who took over after. Uh, it's my favorite one. It's my favorite one. And she sent a confirming email of her bribe for a she, no contract thing. And she got let off because of COVID, right? Yeah, but that school district is so corrupt. The people send confirming emails like it's a normal. <laughs> and don't forget my 10% VIG on the side. You know, she went away for the $22.5 million scam to the scam company. While she was away, she had done $10 million that they don't talk about. Nobody wanted to know where that money was. 72 years old. She gets thrown out of prison because of COVID, and she's laughing at us. And they got all the money in the world, Miles, and that's why we need it to stop. And for me, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm questioning Paul Vallis I like them. I really want to like them. But if you're going to affiliate yourself with a party that is the most successful organized crime in the state of Illinois, in the city of Chicago, it is the Democrat Party. And, you know, you got to shake that to me. What do you think? Oh, I agree with you, but I'm not sure. You know, if you stand in the way of somebody who's making 10, 15, 20 million dollars in a deal, you might have to have somebody, your wife start your car in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely the way. I can't think of a better way to die, though. I certainly don't want to wait for some union nurse at 325 pounds that smells like beef and cheese to wipe my Durban. I don't want that. Thank you very much, Miles. I'd rather go fight in the system. I would. I'm silly that way. That's why I like when parents fight it, too. Um, my children can bring home anything. I, You know, I have a, a little guy. I'm afraid of lice. Mm. I'm af- more afraid of getting lice in my house than I am than I am COVID. A group of parents tonight fighting back against COVID protocols in schools. They serve school board members with a lawsuit tonight at Hoffman Estates. Nate Rogers is live with their claims. Nate. That's recording, Don. I like this story because they're fighting and they're filing a lawsuit. I like the story because they're doing something. I think that they will be dragged out and their kids will be forced to suffer because the beat goes on. To me, the way you stop the system is you stop participating. 12,000 people in this school, 12,000 registered, largest in the area. Can you imagine if 6,000 pulled them out? They'd stop getting that 28,000 a year so that these teachers can stop driving those Lexuses and pretending that our kids want to be communists before they indoctrinate them. They don't. I say we break the whole damn system apart. When we get back, Friday Features with me after this. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. All right, this one is a hard one for me. Because I am a James Bond aficionado. The only reason I'm named Sean is that my... 
parents' first date was in 1959 to see Sean Connery in Goldfinger. My mother was 16. She's like, if I have a son, I'm going to name him Sean. But she was Italian. She saw, didn't understand why it said scene. And she sounded it out, and here I am. I've always loved James Bond. Love it. In fact, Daniel Craig, although I think philosophically and politically he's a moron, he may very well be. This is hard for me to say because I love Sean Connery. He may very well be my favorite. I like them all, but he's just great. This new James Bond. Although the action was great, the storyline, him, it's preposterous. It's ridiculous. James Bond doesn't die. There's no question about the fact he's gone. Much like many innocent people living in the Middle East under the Obama years, he was hit with a bomb, gone, over with. There's no way he survived. So that's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. They already moved in, and uh, the new 007 is a woman. Um, she's there because she's a woman of, of minority standing, I guess. But it's just, you, you ruin the whole damn thing, idiots. You never kill him. You never kill him. You always leave that little question. Did he survive? Maybe he survived. This is unequivocal death. Now for a documentary, The Real Inglorious Bastards. Phenomenal documentary. Highly, highly recommend it. Now it's your turn. Mary Midway. Oh, hi there, Sean. Um, hi. Well, I'm not really recommending this to anyone but you and your missus. I mean, it was okay enough as a movie, but your wife will like this because this guy, uh, I saw him in Toto Rabbit, the actor uh, Sam Rockwell looks more like you than you. But in this other movie, Fosse Verdon, which I saw not too long ago, not only does he look like you, he acts like you, and I mean this affectionately because he's a real hothead in this movie. And in this one scene in the dance room, oh my God, I'm like, there goes Sean. He's like, completely looks like you, and then he's kind of like a hothead picking fights. Really? But right. I mean it affectionately. Oh, you got to have turn your wife on to it. You'll, you'll, I mean, <laughs> I'm like six degrees of separation from you, and I even was like, there goes Sean. Oh, I love it. All right, we're going to take it into consideration. Right. When I first saw, yes, you know, when I, it says just says Fosse, I'm thinking, do you mean the one with uh, Roy Schneider? Uh, what is it? Life is a cabaret. I was, I was, I love that movie. But all right, I'll give it a shot. Thank you no, very much, Mary. Okay, I'm right. All right, thank Bye-bye. you. I appreciate it. Uh, Bart in Bridgeport. Hey, Daddy-O, best show on the radio as ever. I got thank a quick you. question. You mentioned before uh, the best cigar in your store. What is that? What is, What, in your opinion, is the best cigar? It would either be. Well, I, I think it's the one I smoke, number one. But the 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 Monte Cristo Polit- the Monte Cristo Politico, the mm-hmm. Oliva Milano V, or my Avo Nicaraguan. Yeah, Love it. But go ahead. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. You know I me. Mean. Um, anyway, um, the Guard with Brendan Gleeson. Yes. Just a fantastic movie. The biggest independent Irish movie ever made at the time. Brennan Gleason, and when you follow, you'll know him. You'll, he's kind of a chubby, redheaded character actor. I've seen, you know what? We, I know the movie. He's great in the movie. I was thinking about yeah. I, I didn't know the title, but John great. John in it. Yes, great in the movie. You got a documentary you saw? No, but it, when, on Brennan Gleason, I, w- I would also go um, Mr. Mercedes, the series. Oh, I really did not good. see that one. 
Oh, yeah, Stephen King. Yeah, three Stephen King no- novels, and Brendan Gleeson is the lead in it. I have to tell you, I'm a, I, I mean, here's another political kook, but I, I'm a big Stephen King. I, I love his stuff. So, all right, I'm going to take a look mm. at it. Thank you, Bart. You'll dig it. Bye, man. Bye. Carol, Buffalo Grove. Yes, so nice to talk to you, Sean. I've you listened too. to you since you called in to John and Amy, if I'm not mistaken. That was a while back. I called back. in. Anyways, I call, uh, how you about know what? I did, I did actually also call. for you and your wife to listen to. It's got a war backdrop, and what I like about it is it, it's my favorite movie. It portrays strong men at their masculine best alongside strong women at their feminine best. Of course, it's a period piece, but even so. <laughs> The End of the Sixth Happiness, 1950s movie with Ingrid Bergman and Kurt Jurgens. Oh, Ever that's hear a, of it? That's a pull. No, I have not, but I love it those actors. wonderful. First of all, Kurt was a European, fam- very famous actor, and he yeah. always played, I think he was Bavarian, but he um, eventually took Austrian citizenship. But American movies always portrayed him as a like a German officer. Like uh, he was in The Enemy Below and The Longest Day, tall guy. Really? Um, but if you see him, he's very famous. And this movie is based on a true story. It takes place in um, around the time of the Japanese invasion of China in the 30s sometime um, prior to World War II. But uh, I don't want to give it away, but it's got everything in it. Uh, okay. And, and, what, do you think, uh, I think, what do you think they would have thought of uh, uh, the admiral, the new admiral, the, the definition of a warrior oh, in our military, God. Rachel Levine? What do you think? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I read so many things online with that, and it was yeah. just... I it's mean, fascinating. It, it makes you want to puke, but at the same time, you have to laugh. That is exactly. so funny. That's what we got to do. It's the weekend. We might as well laugh. Just think of Rachel Levine trying to do jumping jacks in her skirt. Thank you. Mark Lamont. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Splendid. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, my, I, my, I seen was uh, Chappaquiddick. Yes. The, yes. And, <laughs> Kennedy. Okay. You know, Hell I of a guy. That, you know, you, if you own a bar, Sean. you want him there. You just don't want to get a ride home from him. Go ahead. Yeah. So I saw that at the theater. Uh, I think it was like 2015, and it was there for maybe a weekend, and then it was gone. God forbid, you know, what a scumbag Ted Kennedy yeah. was. So, so you know that movie that, um, and the reason I say this is, you notice how they they didn't they didn't really mention too many Democrats that were still around when they covered up that whole thing. I mean, you know, there were people that he was the lion of the Senate. I love the fact it was, I think, the year after he died. And did you ever read the book, I Hear You Paint Houses, the one that the movie was based on with um, with De Niro and Pesci, that movie on Netflix, like three hours long? But in the, no, I in never the, read that. In the book, I Hear You Paint Houses, they brag about a senator that they bribed and they had in their pocket that would forever create policies to benefit the union. You know who that senator was? Joe Ted Biden. Kennedy. Joe Biden. And they show the similarities between Ted Kennedy and Joe Biden and all of the similarities of the corruption in the unions and all of the scandals that were covered up with women and drinking. It's really fascinating. But thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. How about a, you have a documentary? I think I cut him off. All right. We'll get him next time. Dave Wheaton. Yeah, hi, Sean. Um, I was going to say, you remind me of a cross between, I've seen you, between Wesley Snipes and Jackie Chan. Some Zing. Some sort of a combination. Like that. Um, <laughs> anyway, movies. Um, My Bodyguard, Chris Makepeace, Matt Dillon, Chicago movie. Yes. I don't know if you've ever seen. Yes. 
I haven't I, seen that. that wow, that's an old movie. How long ago did that come on? Oh, my, 1980, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in, I remember, I was, I was, I was in grade school. Go ahead. I saw Chris Makepeace, the star of it, riding his bike on the lakefront right after that movie came out. He was still in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's a, a documentary called uh, Billion Dollar Base. It's about the removal of a billion-dollar base in Afghanistan. Billion-dollar base. I'm writing that one down. All right. Listen, don't be mm -hmm. mad at me. You, you got good movies, Dave. You know that. i got to go to break. I'll take the rest of your calls as soon as I'm back. 312-642-5600. That's also the best thing about fall. I like watching movies in the fall. I'm not going to waste my time watching men in tights chase balls. I'm not going to watch a bunch of professional liars in the news shows on Sunday. Boy, oh, boy. Even Mike Wallace's daughter, Chris, can't watch her anymore. Bob, Helensville, Wisconsin. Hi, Bob. Bob had enough of me. That's it. He's hanging up on me. Dave Lansing. Hey, Sean. Uh, I have two obscure movies. Uh, one is Raising Arizona, 1987, mm -hmm. with Nicolas Cage and um, John Goodman. It's weird. It gives you a weird feeling, and it's quirky. Oh, gee. Uh, <laughs> Shock. Real stretch for you. By the way, if you hit a boat, it would be named Obscure. Go ahead. Okay, I love it. Anyway, um, the other one is a really obscure documentary. Uh, it's called Aim. No, it's, it's called uh, Devil at Your Heels, and my dad was in the film. Oh, really? He, yeah, he uh, helped make a rocket car that was going to jump the St. Lawrence Seaway. He oh. welded the gas tank together. Very he's, exciting. His name is Dave. He's in the middle of the film. You'll see him in there. Wonderful. And I, yeah, I'm so, going to look for the fruit. I'm going to look for it based on the recommendation of the fruit of his lines. Dave and Lansing, thank you very much. Brian Elk Grove. Hi, Sean. Hi, I Brian. really enjoy listening to you. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you. So my movie is uh, from the 80s called Prince of the City. Christopher Walken? Oh, Tree Williams. Oh, all right. Wait, what cop does he do? Movies. Is this when he steals the park? The park is mine? No, that's the park is mine. Go no, ahead. It's a New York cop movie. It's about a... Uh, supposed to be a true story about a detective group that uh, kind of does their own uh, form of justice on people that they catch. So, you know, you did something that uh, not a lot of people do. I have not seen that movie. I'm going to watch it. Brian, thank you very much, and thank you for it's listening. It's a good one. I appreciate right. it. See you, Sean. See you, buddy. Irwin in Berwyn. Huh. I like yeah. that. How are you? Okay. Good. Uh, love the show, Sean. Thank you. Um, the Loved One, an Evelyn Waugh story. It's got Robert Morse, Rod Steiger, and uh, Milton Berle. That's a great movie. cast. Holy cow. It's called The Loved One? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really absurd. It's about, like, this pet cemetery and how, you know, they ran out of space, so they're shooting stuff up into the atmosphere. And uh, the other Where one can I, I get? have... Netflix or, Netflix or Prime? Yeah, I Prime. don't know. All right. I don't know. That's you guys got to Go Google it. And then the other one is uh, sadly kind of prescient. Uh, it's not really a uh, documentary, right. but I watched uh, uh, John Hurt and uh, Richard Burton. John, oh, another good one. Irwin, don't be mad at me. I got a break, and I got to go to uh, Dan in Milwaukee. Hurry up. Hi, Sean. Hi, buddy. Yes, um, I would recommend either Idiocracy, which is what I believe uh, we're living through. The U.S. is going to. I'm sorry. We're living through. I know. I yes, got you. Exactly. Dan, have a good and then, weekend. Uh, 
Joe, Joliet, you're the last one. You got 10 seconds. I got Arlington Road. Love it, Joe. All of you have a good weekend. Have a safe weekend. Stay away from Democrats and have a happy weekend. I'll be back Monday. Larry Elder explains why we see a backlog of goods. There is one very specific regional issue driving the problem. The trucking issue with L.A. ports. All semi-tractors have to be current with new California emissions standards. Not COVID, not shortage of workers. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7, right before Jay Sekulow at 9 on AM Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.